Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church, advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. Tanisha Geralds, and I am a member of Epworth Methodist Church. I will be reading Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 20. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horab in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more, that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. Amen. I woke up this morning with my mind and it was stay on Jesus. Woke up this morning with my mind and it was stay on Jesus. Woke up this morning with my mind and it was stay on Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
My name is Maylin Yokola, and the scripture reading today is Luke 10, 38-42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Devil can't catch you in your mind if you keep it staying. Staying on Jesus. Devil can't catch you in your mind if you keep it staying. Staying on Jesus. Devil can't catch you in your mind if you keep it staying. Staying on Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh. I woke up this morning with my mind and it was staying Stayed on freedom Woke up this morning with my mind and it was staying Stayed on freedom Woke up this morning with my mind and it was staying Stayed on freedom Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah Today I'm going to tell you my most personal and vulnerable story. I'm going to go back in time to when I was a kid. Um, I identify as uh, half Chinese and half Finnish. Uh, I identify as mixed race. Uh, but I also am aware that when people see me, they see an Asian man. Um, and so I also identify as an Asian male. I grew up in an area that was mostly um, white. Uh, there were Asians, and I remember being involved in the Asian community, specifically the Chinese community. My mom would take us to uh, banquets in the Chinese community, and I'd get to play with chopsticks and be surrounded by Chinese language, which I didn't understand. Um, so I felt connected to the Chinese community, even though I recognized that um, my experience was very unique to me. So when I was growing up, I don't think I was really aware of racism at all. Um, I know that for myself, um, I recognize that there are many times where I am less than the person I want to be. I actually remember in the 1980s um, when Ronald Reagan was president, he was saying a lot of really negative things about Japan. Uh, there was a lot of concern about um, the Japanese economy becoming very strong and they were buying all sorts of property in California and there was this competitive narrative between the United States and Japan. And I remember saying to someone, you know, and I was only eight years old or nine years old, so I didn't know any better. And I remember saying to somebody, I'm not a racist, but, but if I was a racist, I would be racist against the Japanese because you know, 
all the things that I had heard in the media. So I became very aware later in life, mostly in college, uh, which is why I'm so grateful that I was able to go to college. I became very aware of the ways in which mass media and my surrounding culture had influenced my views on race. And as I reflect on it, I started to think about what was the role that it played in my life. And I started to realize that when I was growing up, I knew I was mixed race. I knew I was Chinese. I knew I was Finnish. I would say to people, you know, when they asked me what I was, I would say I'm half Chinese, half Finnish, and all American. Um, and I remember adults, you know, laughing because they thought that was so cute when I was a kid when I said it. And it was true. But I don't think I really had a realization or recognition of what it meant to be my identity as I was growing up. So, for example, when I was in high school, um, I had a friend. His name was Adam. And Adam is a good friend of mine. Uh, I actually still see him sometimes today, and, and I'm so thrilled when I see him. Such a nice guy. But I remember uh, when I was about a junior in high school, I remember him coming up to me one day, and he was so excited. He said, Miko, I have this amazing idea. And I said, what is it? He said, I thought of the perfect person for you to go out with. You should totally ask her out. And I said, oh, really? Who? And he said, you should ask out Alice She. And I remember going, well, why? And he said, well, you're both so nice and you're, you're both really smart and you do good in school and, and, uh, and I just think you guys would be a great match. But I remember even at that time thinking, would he have said that to me if Alice Shi wasn't also Chinese American? Was that part of where his great idea had come from? And he was saying it in complete niceness and I took it as niceness. But there was a little part of me that hurt inside because I think I knew that that thought that maybe it was because she was Chinese and I looked like a Chinese American man that he thought that was the reason. So as I got into college, I joined some student groups. One of the student groups that I joined was called Hapa Issues Forum. And it was uh, attempting to help sort of discuss and talk about what it was like to be a mixed race person, specifically a mixed race Asian person. Uh, and there's even been some, you know, controversy around the use of the word Hapa, which I'm very aware of and am willing to look at and change. But in this group, what we did is we talked about, you know, what could we do? And one of the things we wanted to tackle and do was to look at the census. So it used to be when the government uh, tried to find out, you know, who was what race or how did people identify, they would ask you what race you were and you had to mark one box. So you had to mark, um, you know, for me in my case, I would have to either mark Asian American or I would have to mark white or I would have to mark other. And it didn't feel good to mark other. Uh, and so we wanted to be able to mark multiple boxes. So we actually uh, wrote, uh, you know, all of our, our representatives, we agitated, we were activists, and we wanted to change the census in the year 2000 so that you could mark multiple boxes. Uh, and that actually happened um, in the year 2000. It wasn't directly because of our student group, but I do believe that our efforts, along with the efforts of many, many, many other people, 
made that change occur. And I started thinking about when I was growing up, how I had grown up, and this is where it becomes very vulnerable um, and honest for you. I did not really date until I was a junior in college, um, until I was 21 years old. I did not have a girlfriend um, until then. My first girlfriend was my junior year of college. And when I looked back at when I was a kid, and high school especially, I did want a girlfriend. I, I had many girls that I had crushes on, um, and I, I never asked them out. And I think, why didn't I ask them out? I'm not a particularly shy person. I'm very talkative. I'm very outgoing. What was it that said, you know, Miko, you don't ask girls out? Why did I listen? And I came to the conclusion that it was mass media. Because the things that I saw on television, the things that I saw in movies, Asian men never got the girl. Um, and for me, as a person who identified as an Asian man and as a straight man who was interested in dating girls, uh, I was told over and over again in mass media that that was not my role. Uh, the roles that I saw uh, were, you know, terrible stereotypes of people who spoke with accents uh, and were silly or nerds uh, or, you know, old mystic men with long beards uh, or evil. None of the things that I identified with. So why do I tell you this story? I tell you this story because we all experience hurt because of who we are and the identity we have. And we have a choice about how to respond to that and how to become aware of it. Once I became aware of how race had played a role in my life, I was highly motivated to do something different. So I decided that I was never going to let mass media tell me who I was. And so I started asking girls out my junior year of college. And pretty quickly, I was going out with lots of people. And I found my wife my senior year of college, uh, and we got married right after college. So it happened pretty fast. And so I acknowledge that mass media was telling me messages that I took in, and I didn't even know I was taking it in. I didn't know it was affecting my behavior and how I saw myself. But once I became aware of it because of education and knowledge, I decided that I was not going to let it run who I was going to be. And then things changed. These are the things that I say to myself and ask myself. Where does the need for power come from? Insecurity. I want to choose not to attack anyone. Instead, I want to choose to attack my own need for power, which is driven by insecurity. What can I do about racism? I can give money. I can open up my home. I can volunteer. I can demonstrate. I can consciously and bravely say hello 10 times, 20 times, 100 times. Don't think about what other people can do. Search your memory banks for your need for power, and you will find racism.
I once lost the chance to be effective with two of my students, Tatiana and Ayana, because they were doing something I thought was disruptive. And I told them that their families would not want them to behave that way. It was not my place to say what their families would want. Let go of your need to be superior, to prove you are right, to have control. I do not blame individuals. It's up to me to be brave and define how I can talk to them with love in my heart. You are already a good person. You could change nothing and still be doing a great job. But if you want to change, know that it is painful. It hurts to search for your own ugly actions and think about them because we might find them when they have been well hidden. But I believe that it is tied up in the meaning of life. So it is worth the pain. I want to be the best apologizer. Not because I want forgiveness and to feel better about the wrong I have done, but because I am wholly focused on healing the wound, whether it be minor or major, that I have inflicted, even if the other person injured me too. Search for your bravery. If I walked by a police officer with his knee on a man who can't breathe, would I shove the officer off? If I worked in an organization that was cheating, would I blow the whistle? If my good-hearted boss did something that was hurtful to another person or to myself, an unaware mistake of power, would I figure out how to say something at the risk of being viewed negatively? What about a friend or a family member? There is a lot of risk, but if taken with love, patience, and perseverance, while avoiding self-righteousness and the need for power, I believe it is the way of my soul. I'm tired, I'm scared, but I find strength in community. I can be brave. I can be imperfect. I can reside in a place where I think about my actions. Did I do that because I needed power? I can think about my words. Did I say that because I needed power? I can ask myself, am I willing to change? Am I willing to lose power in order to achieve justice for others, not for myself? Let go of being right. 
in every relationship. Let go of being right. That person is you. Let go of being right. Think. Reflect. Change. Apologize. When I think back to that story about mass media and how it impacted me as a kid, and when I grew up, I needed to do something. I felt it in my soul. What did I do? I made a documentary in my senior year of college about being mixed race called Mixed Feelings. My boss at Channel 7, KGO TV in San Francisco, that summer, was a wonderful woman named Ellen, and I showed it to her. She said it was a nice film. And then she told me what she really wanted at the end of the film was for me to tell her what to do. She felt like there wasn't enough. Now the film ends with a picture of me as a toddler, and I narrate over it with these words as I reflect on racism. I say this line. I wish I could go back to when I was a kid again, and I didn't have to think about it all of the time. When Ellen asked me what she should do about racism, I didn't have an answer for her. But now I do have an answer for her and for myself. Let go of being right. With your spouse, with your children, with parents, with coworkers, with those who have a different political outlook, with those who have a different skin tone, with your brother, with your sisters, with everything and everyone in between. Let go of being right. These are the questions and the things that I say to myself. I have long struggled to understand for myself the story of Martha and Mary. After all, Martha is doing all the work, and my culture has taught me the value of work and providing for others. Martha is doing good things. Why is she wrong? Why am I wrong? The answer I have for myself is this. Everything Martha is doing is great. Everything I am doing to help others in this world is great. But Martha says to Jesus what I have often thought. Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Let go of being right.
been listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week.